0: feel the Holy Ghost in here today. Praise God. I have no greater joy than to know or to hear that my children walk in truth. The only thing that I can figure out any better than that is to see them walk in truth. And I'm seeing and hearing some good stuff today from the time we got here. It's been quite a little ride for the last nine weeks. Kind of changed things up a little bit. but Feel the Holy Ghost in here today, and I, I did intentionally slip in late. So I thought Brother Kenneth would be uh, all set and primed and right out the gate. And, of course, he is set and primed, but... Uh, he, um, I guess y'all see who wins arguments. <laughs> but I'm I'm appreciative to my family more than I've ever been. Thank God for a good wife that knows how to pray and raised our kids to pray. And um I um I'm here today because she heard from God, I believe. Went ahead and called nine one one. Whenever we were starting to just rush to the hospital, so they got me in the ambulance and started uh, working with me. And somebody asked me, said, "Man, I bet you were scared." And I said, "No, I really wasn't. It's just and uh, the the medical staff." Uh, trying to make sure not to offend, it's not a EMT, but it's the uh, paramedic, he, uh, he said, well, it looks like you're having a heart attack right now with damage, so we got on the road and got up there, and they got me back, and put me on the table, and I'm giving you the Reader's Digest version, so. While I was laying on that table, I said, now, Lord, as far as I know, everything's good because I've been around this for 35 years now, so, and if it doesn't work out right, well, just fix anything that's wrong, and uh, we'll be right there, and then the doc walked in, and they started doing the procedure, and I heard him calling out numbers, and so I was assuming that was a size stents. and then all of a sudden the ceiling just began to swirl and it all turned uh, like you had a camera and you just twisted the lens, all lost focus. I heard a real high-pitched squeal start in my ears just like a zing. And, uh, then I heard the nurse next right over to me holler, clear. And that was one of those big, it's not a shock. They tell you it's shock, it's not a shock. It's like they put a plate in the in your back and then back off and hit it with a sledgehammer. And then the docs walked back up to the table, and he said, "Dennis Anderson." And I said, "Yes, sir. I think he's calling roll. See if I still there." But I said, "Present." No, I said, <laughs> "I said yes, sir." And he said, S-. "He said you just dodged a bullet." And um, then he went out and told my wife. Said, "I don't even know why he's here because he should. We already had to bring him back." And then he told me the next morning when he came out, he said, "Well, you ain't done." He said, you should have never made it to the hospital. So when a, when a, when a doctor gives you a word of prophecy, you, you know God must really be moving. But I've always been convinced of that. That the devil can, couldn't take me out, or he would a long time ago. Because in case you're wondering, me and him are not friends. The Lord spoke to me this past, yesterday I guess it was, and he said these words pretty close. He said, only I determine when the memory of a man will be more effective in my kingdom than his life. And that's when the appointment is set for. It's once appointed unto man to die. As long as you are effective, more effective in the kingdom living, you remain. But then when your memory becomes more effective than your life, he takes you home to be with him. That's the appointment. Not a date on the calendar and not a moment on the clock. It's maturity level. Praise God. Well, hallelujah. feels good in here. I feel the Holy Ghost really, 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 really strong. And I feel like I'm going to try to not just belabor the point here but I, it's it's great to be in the house of the Lord love my good wife that rides shotgun and praise prayer faith and I love your pastor's wife she's been my little girl and still is my little girl and I love your pastor and um, I just looked at a scripture a while ago just in case just this is just for fun right here it's not against my preaching time okay Revelation 1, verse 20 says, The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So what he said was that the stars in my hands are the angels of the churches, which are the pastors of the church which means God's got your pastor in his hand. And the thing that he looks at when he looks at those scars that are still there because when he comes back, he's going to prove to the world that he's who he is with scars. But sitting in those hands over those scars is him operating through mercy because he set his pastor's there and he holds them in his hands over the church. So God's got the pastor holding him in his hand today. Thank God for a good pastor. Preached to us the word of the Lord this morning, will you? <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's try this. Sister Nora. Brother Asher. Those are some fine grandkids, i tell you that right now. Why don't you give them a big hand, Would you? Lead me, Lord, I'll follow anywhere you open up the door. Let your words speak to me, show me what I've never seen before. Cause I want to be a witness You can take what's wrong and make it right Day stars shine down on me Let your love shine through me in the night Sing it with me one more time, would you? Oh, lead me, Lord, I'll follow anywhere you open up the door. Let your words speak to me, show me what I've never seen before. Lord, I want to be your witness. You can take what's wrong and make it right. Oh, day star, shine down on me. Let your love shine through me in the night. Oh day star shine down on me. Let your love shine through me in the night. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, Lord and I had a conversation a while ago after Brother Kenneth started talking to me about preaching and and I'm supposed to preach in Lake City here in just a few minutes. And um, I wouldn't normally do this. However, I did preach in Wisconsin one time, and I preached four times in one day. And, and uh, they wanted me to preach the same sermon in the mom, mama church that, that, that I preached in the daughter church, if I could. So I've never been able to preach the same sermon twice exactly the same way. So praise team, if you show up after a while, you may hear some of this again. I'll read the same text, but the Holy Ghost very strongly impressed me that there's someone here today that needs what I've got to say here. And so I will, I don't have any intentions of preaching this whole sermon to you right now, but I'm going to hit some spots. There's a nerve in the Holy Ghost that I, anybody believe God doesn't flip a coin? I may say this again in a few minutes, but I promise you one thing. God's not going to wake up tomorrow and go, Wish I'd have thought of that. So just hang with me here. God is right on time. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 2. There are 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Sierra unto Kadesh Barnea. Verse number 30. The Lord your God, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you. Now this is Moses speaking to the children of Israel in a summary of what's going on in time past. And he is reminding them of how they got to where they are. Okay? And he said that he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where thou um, hast seen how the Lord thy God bare thee, as a man doth bear his son in all the way that he went until ye came into this place. Yet in this thing ye did not believe the Lord your God, who went in the way before you to search you out a place to pitch your tents in, in fire by night, and to shew you by what way you should go, and in a cloud by day. I want to talk to you a little while about led by the cloud and the fire. Everybody said, in Jesus' name, you may be seated. One thing we need to talk about here real quick, like, is knowing that the children of Israel started out in uh, Canaan land. Everybody say Canaan land. You know, it's an interesting thing now that they were in Canaan as a family whenever God brought them from Canaan to Egypt to take them to Canaan. I've I've been around this all my life, but it was kind of revel revel revelatory whenever the Lord impressed upon me. I, t- I brought them from where I was taking them. And so here's the deal: when you come into the church, we believe in a born again experience of repentance, water baptism, Jesus name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Okay, but that is the born again experience. Now I just want to impress upon you that. Jesus did tell Nicodemus, you were talking about him coming by night, and I'm, I'm thankful that the Lord gave us the, the, the example that he didn't criticize him and say, well, hey, if you want to uh, find me, why don't you come in the, in the light of day instead of trying to hide? You know, he didn't have anything critical to say. He just said, come on in here. We'll talk about this. And he said, except you be born of water and of the Spirit. And so he explained all that. Nicodemus had a little confusion. He said, "Well, how can I, you know, enter the second time into my mother's womb?" He said, "Don't confuse the flesh with the spirit." But he said, "I, I, I just say unto you, you must be born again." Now, if we know we must be born again, or we can't enter into the kingdom of heaven, it is highly important that we make sure to get that right. So that's the reason why we make a big deal about repentance and about being baptized a specific way. It's not because we're just trying to be different than everybody else. We kind of like to blend in ourselves. We like to be accepted. But when it comes down to things that are of eternal value, we have to kind of say, you know what, Um, that's where my eternity is being held up, and I I need to make sure that I don't get this wrong. So that's the reason why we've looked into the Word of God, and we go with the Word of God over man's wording and over man's opinion. So... When he said that neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved, Acts 4.12, then we believe that obviously we need to follow through this baptism in the name of Jesus because the water doesn't take away sin. It is the authority of the name. That's the reason that the family of, the heaven, uh, of heaven and earth is joined together through the name because the Father is where we get the name because it was the blood that, um, that, that gave Jesus Christ the physical uh, body that he lived inside of, which was the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so that's the reason when uh, Judas threw down the 30 pieces of silver, he screamed, I have betrayed the innocent blood. He didn't just say innocent blood, but he was saying I have betrayed the innocent blood because there was never innocent blood prior to that because Jesus had coursing through his veins, biologically, this is the fact, he had coursing through his veins blood that had only come from god himself planting that seed in the Vir- uh, virgin mary now the, you know if you if you really get technical about that and i'll try to get off this candy stick here in just a minute but if you want to get technical about that you get to read in the book of matthew chapter one you're going to see that the holy ghost was the father because that which is conceived in her is of the holy ghost i'm just stirring up some stuff for him to have to you know straighten out when i'm gone and and so that that which is conceived in hers of the holy ghost well that's really not a problem if you understand that god manifests himself as creator as the son in redemption and the holy ghost as emanation because we understand that these three are one according to first john five seven or so it says uh, and these three are one so when, when you got all of that going on, you understand that whenever you come, it's highly important that you uh, get born again according to the plan of salvation that is recorded in the Word of God, not what somebody has gotten together at some big convention somewhere and say, We adopt these bylaws. I really don't particularly care about that. You take me to the Word of God because those bylaws are not going to be standing beside me when I stand before Him. The only thing that's going to be there is the books that are going to be open. And if the books are going to be open, he He said, I'm going to be judged out of the things that are written in the books, ever how I've lived my life. So my name is going to be in the book of life, not according to some manual somewhere, but according to the Word of God. So thus, it doesn't matter if you call your church sanctuary, you call your church first church of the Frigidaire, or whatever you want to call it, but I am telling you, you must have the Word of God on your side whenever you stand before God, because that's the only thing that exercises authority in the kingdom of the world and in the kingdom of heaven, and it transcends earth and heaven, because forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And So that's what I want on my side when I stand before the Lord, is that I've been obedient to thus say of the word of God. So it's important that we do it according to the word. When we come to God, we repent of our sins, we get baptized in Jesus' name, we get filled with the Holy Ghost. When we get filled with the Holy Ghost, we have just begun a journey, ladies and gentlemen. So don't be, don't be shocked. Now, I told you I just messed things up for him real good. But don't be shocked if the first thing that happens to you is a bad day. Because the adversary is not too thrilled about what you just got happening. But, you know, the Bible says that whenever they saw um, uh, Joseph down in Egypt, whenever they saw him down there, he told them, he said, "When when we you know, you just have to read that whole story. I don't have time to preach all that. But... Uh, When, whenever he he sent for them, the Bible says that whenever they discovered, he said, I am Joseph, about chapter 45 of Genesis. That was the discovery of the Lord of Egypt then, okay? So if you just take him and, and understand that symbolically he is the Lord Jesus Christ. You know the first thing they had to do? They had to leave where they were to come to where he was. And so just prepare. If you get a revelation of who God is, you need to leave where you are and come where he is. And that'll be leaving a whole lot of your stuff. He said, don't even think about your stuff because the best of the land is before you. You won't want to hold on to anything where you're living because there's going to be a transition that's going to take place in your life because you're moving close to the Lord and he's promised you the best. I promise you that a bad day in the church is better than a good day in the world. I told our church the other day, you know, when I came back and and I was preaching my first time after the heart attack and... And uh, you know, getting shocked back around and so on like that. And uh, I was, I was telling them, I said, "Look, I have been to that other place. You know, I've been to that place where I looked over to the other side, and it was like, it was like I was leaving here. You know." And um, I told the Lord what I said. You know, I said, now "Look, Lord, if there's anything that that is undone, well, I would appreciate just getting that taken care of." And there really wasn't any fear. It was just a calmness that was that was there. So my point was this. I've been to the point to where I felt like I looked over to the other side. And I've come back to tell you I highly recommend living this way. Woo, God have mercy. I've already checked out what it feels like when it's finished here. So I got a new determination to let you know I'm apostolic from the top of my head to the sole of my feet because I tried this out. And this born again again experience will stand up in eternity. And when you're looking across to the other side, no fear, nothing is going to torment you because you know that he's with you and he's in you and you're ready for the next life. I recommend this apostolic way. Get a hold of it and write it. You're going to be glad one of these days you did. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So go ahead, get into this and understand that. This is a journey though, ladies and gentlemen. When you repent of your sins, you get full of the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. That's not a place for you to cross your arms and say, well, I got it. You've just begun the journey. Now, what really doesn't make any sense is you're here and you're talking in tongues. You're feeling great and, the, you know, the Spirit's moving and all. Everybody's hugging you and you, for the first time you love everybody. You know, I mean, we, we preached that the initial sign of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost was speaking in tongues. I understand that. But I also, in my years, have found out there's a few other things. One of them I have watched the expression on people's face change just been around the whole you know uh, the, the the ambience of the moment just shifts from that oh God oh God that desperation I need to pray through and they're trying to pray through and all that then all of a sudden there's just a shift and it's like a complexion change you don't need plastic surgery just get the Holy Ghost. It's amazing what a smile would do for. But oh. but 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 the whole thing changes, and there's a smile, and all of a sudden, people open their eyes and they go, "Woo!" Oh! And there's not a, nobody's safe. They just start hugging everybody. If you're not a hugger, you need to get away from anybody getting the Holy Ghost, because you're about to get hugged. You know that's right. Because it just causes everybody to love everybody. But when that moment is over, I challenge you, begin that journey because you're not going to get to stay. You think, well, I could just stay here forever. No, 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 no. God had to take Israel to Egypt as a family to make them what they needed to be over 430 years to inhabit the place they were living they couldn't possess what they had just attained until they had gone through the transition of what Egypt was going to extract out of them and what a wilderness journey was going to make out of them. It was 11 days' journey. After they had moved to Egypt, been there for 430 years, they had gone through about everything you can imagine taskmasters beat up on them taskmasters pharaohs made new uh new new uh rules about ever so often and they were having to live through all of that and then they get this they get this boy that somebody's whispering around and say he's the answer he's going to be the guy to lead us out of here his name's moses and you know what's happened it's just it's just worked out so good somehow somehow uh Jacob and Emrim happen to know Pharaoh or something. They've got him living in the castle now. You know, say, Brother Anderson, you know that's not the way. I know, but that's what stories come up with. You know, I mean, people come up with all kinds of stories that are not true little boy went to Sunday school and mom said what'd you learn at Sunday school today son he said oh I learned about children of Israel crossing the Red Sea and she said well tell me about it said oh they got up there and the water was flowing so so big that they couldn't get across and they called and said any any engineers in this group and said they got all the engineers together they cut down a bunch of trees and they built a bridge over the over the Red Sea and and they got all of the children of Israel to go across on on that bridge and then whenever they got all of them across, so here came Pharaoh's army, and they started to come across, and they got on the bridge, and he said, kick the poles out. And so they kicked the poles out from underneath it, and they all went down to the Red Sea and drowned. She said, now, son, that's not what they taught you in Sunday school, is it? And he said, no, ma'am, but you'd never believe what they said happened. (laughs) So we got this hope in Moses, you know. And he ends up killing one of the Egyptians and has to run out of town. So you're going to see a lot of things shift and go on at, on this journey. You're going to get a lot of hopes dashed. But finally it all makes its full circle, and they come back. And when they get back, Moses is talking to them that time has really come. God's going to lead us out of here. And so they start making their way, and it's, you know, this 11-day journey is not going to be a big deal. Except that whenever they got ready to leave, God takes them to that Red Sea. I'm going to give you the Bible version now, okay? They take them to that Red Sea, but what we don't see a lot of is that there was actually about a 21 day journey for them to get 3 million people from the inner um, dwellings of Egypt all the way to the Red Sea. Now, I've likened it like this. Before. If I had been God, I'd have messed this whole deal up. Because we got three million people coming, and whenever they get lined up, wouldn't it be just kind of logistically feasible to already kind of open the waters up and let them march on the cross? But they didn't. They got right up to the Red Sea and stopped, and the water's still flowing. And if you'll check your math, you'll find out that they stood there about seven days, stomping around, kicking sand, and coming up with all kinds of weird stories. Oh, we got this figured out, Moses. This was all a trick anyway because they didn't have enough graves in Egypt. You're in with Pharaoh after all. You know, and we got, we got enough circumstantial evidence to prove this because you lived in his, his palace all these years, and they just used you as a pawn to get us out here in this wilderness. And now we're going to all die out here, and you're just going to use all this sand to cover us up, and we're going to all be, you know, uh, you know out of, out of Egypt, Egypt's hair because we've come here now and, and, you know. And so be careful whenever you're frustrated with God's timing That sounded so good, I need to say it one more time. Be careful when you are frustrated with God's timing because you come up with all kinds of stuff to say that really doesn't need to be said because there are going to be accusations against leadership. You're going to get mad at each other. Well, there's a call on my life. Just wait. God's got something for me. Wait. Because I have found that if you kick the door open, the room may not be set up. There may be something going on behind the scenes. You really don't need the horror of seeing. God is working things out, and if you'll be patient with him, God can make up any time you think you've lost in a split second. Because God doesn't wear a watch, and he doesn't go by calendar. And he's miraculous. And he can take you, and you think, well, it's going to take me a a day to catch up to the Ethiopian eunuch. Well, don't worry about it. I've got a ride. I'm fixing to give you that nobody knows about, Philip. I'll just take you over there. If If we will trust God, you set up God to do the miraculous for you. Because you have trusted him, and God will set you down in the middle of the wilderness, and the next thing you know, you're trucking right along beside one of the fastest chariot in the world, looking up and saying, understandest thou what? How'd you get there? It wasn't because you was over there arguing with God and telling him how sorry things were, and how every, you were just doing what you were made known to do at the place you were made known to do it. If you want to really be used of God, all you got to do is get busy where you're at." I don't know why I'm doing all this except I feel the Holy Ghost from the top of my head to the sole of my feet to tell you. I've tried this. I've been patient with God. I've just worked for him when I wasn't happy with the situation. And I didn't feel like I was where I needed to be, but I was going to be faithful where I was at. And you know what happened? When God began to flip over the dominoes, they went, and the next thing you know, I was exactly where I was supposed to be, but I was right on time. And I was, so we got all of the, woo, Feel what I'm talking about right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in here. Somebody just kind of say hallelujah. Right now. And you've got three million people standing and they're and they're kicking sand and arguing and saying this is not right, and you know, and they're coming up with all these ideas of why. I'm telling you, God have mercy. I preached it not too awfully long ago to our church, but probably the biggest word in all of Scripture is patience. In Your patience possess ye your soul. I have never seen anybody miss God by waiting on Him. But I've seen a mess by people who decided they weren't waiting any longer. Because God knows. God knows exactly how. Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you that in their seven days of standing there watching the water run and coming up with crazy imaginations of why things weren't working like they should. God was not mad at them. And, sorry, kind of hit me about the time I started to say that. Glad I got the microphone down a little bit. And, He hadn't changed his plan. He's still leading them out. He's still on schedule. His his plan is still being executed. The only thing that's wrong is their murmuring and complaining. Water's still running. Three million people standing here. And Moses is now wringing his hands. But oh, as that starts to happen, guess what is going on? Pharaoh's army's catching up. And when they get in sight to see the children of Israel, the water parts, they go across Pharaoh's army can see them now and that's what entices them into the sea. The plan wasn't, God have mercy. The plan wasn't just to to, to, to deliver the children of Israel. It was also to destroy the enemy. And so the completion of God's plan wasn't just to work Israel snapping their finger because the timing had to be right that not only did he deliver Israel but he brought the enemy into their demise. We're so stinking spoilt that we think this whole thing's about us. But God sees the bigger picture. And what God's doing <laughs> is settling a score with Pharaoh. Cause you've been drowning my boys in the Nile. Sorry, but an old hillbilly term is ficken. Y'all know what ficken means? We're ficken to do something, yeah. So God said, man, you got smart people in this place. They got the hillbilly dictionary. <laughs> God said, you've been, you've been drowning my boys in the Nile. Remember that? Because you're trying to kill Moses and all this has been going on for all these years. He said, I've got a score that they, you're not even worried about. You're just trying to get your hide out of, out of Egypt. He said, but i got a score i got to settle. In your victory, I'm also going to destroy the enemy. And Pharaoh, I'm ficking to destroy and drown your boys. I'm not going to just stick a knife in them. I'm going to do it the same way you've been doing my boys. Matter of fact, I need to tell somebody about right now that whatever you've been battling, look for the answer to come where the problem has been. It's not going to come from some other source. God is so big and so good and wants to prove that he's in charge. He's going to take it to the devil in the very arena that he's attacked you in. So go ahead and expect God to show up. Pharaoh's been drowning, boys. God said, all right, I'll show you how to drown some boys. My God, have mercy. I feel the Holy Ghost up in this house right now. Would you stand with me just a minute and clap your hands? I'm not through, but I'm resting right now. I feel the Holy Ghost up in this house. Somebody needs to understand you're getting a word from God right now. God's going to show up right in the arena where you thought you were losing the battle, and He's going to turn this whole thing around. And it's not just—it's not just going to—it's not just going to deliver you, but the enemy is going to suffer a crushing defeat by your patience waiting upon God and His timing and deliverance. Praise God! Praise God! You can be seated. Woo! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Now, when he gets them over, when he gets them through the Red Sea, I'm going to preach something here that's not in my notes. I've been preaching a whole bunch of stuff. This whole thing's not been in my notes. So that's the reason why you can show up at Lake City and we'll still get another version there. Three days after they cross over the Red Sea, they come to a place called Merah. Mara means bitter. And God spoke to Moses and he said, Cut down a tree and put in the waters and it'll make it sweet. They can drink. Well, that's symbolic of the cross. And so I I looked and God was leading them, so he brought them right by the bitter water knowing they couldn't drink of it. And so I said, Lord, what's the the deal? And he said, they were bitter at how they'd been treated in Egypt. And I had to get the bitterness out of them before I could take them where I was going. And this is what the Lord, I'm, I'm one of those guys that drive other guys crazy. Some of these guys say, these people say the Lord speaks to them all the time. Well, if the Lord's not speaking to you, you probably don't need to be preaching. I believe God still talks to his ministry. If you haven't heard from God, well, just go read the book. He'll impress it to you. You got the Holy Ghost, there'll be stuff come out of it. Hallelujah. And this is what I feel like the Lord spoke to me. He said, the reason the cross was used as a symbol of that is because if you are bitter, you need to get a good vision of the cross. Because anything you're bitter over is going to get pretty small when you look how I attained and retained forgiveness through the cruelty of the cross the shame that I despised so it doesn't matter how you've been treated as a child it doesn't matter what somebody's done to you in the past you need to let the cross be the reflection to say you know what if he can forgive and say father forgive them for they know not what they do on the cross of Calvary then get over your bitterness and let's take this journey Because God's got some great stuff waiting on you. I'm wrapping up with this. Brother Bill around here. Would you just kind of make some notes there and make me think I'm quitting? It doesn't always work, but we try it every time. I'd never in my life seen this before, like I saw it yesterday. And that's the reason why my soul is on fire today. He said, verse 32 again, please, sir. He said, Yet. In this thing, you did not believe the Lord your God. Verse 33 now, watch this. Who went in the way before you to search you out a place to pitch pitch your tents in. He said, I've got you here. You're standing right here. He said, but God went scouting out ahead of you. What the book says? God is already been to where you're going. He's already He's already scouted out the landscape. Somebody needs to just surrender to the Holy Ghost that's moving in here right now. If you feel like ball and ball, because we're all in this together. He said, I'm going to have you right here, and I'm going to go in front of you. Oh God! He's already at work tomorrow for you, and you're sitting right here. Verse 33. And he said he searched you out a place to pitch your tents. He said God went before you and looked out every place that you were going to set your tent up. And he said in the fire by night to show you, everybody say in the fire. So in fire by night to show you by what way you should go, and in a cloud by day. And we've—I've I'm, I'm, preached it, and I probably will continue to preach it. But I, I got to tell you, we talk about the cloud and the fire, and we talk about it in positive terms. But come on, folks, get real with me. This is what God spoke to me yesterday and said. He said, "You don't listen very good on sunshiny days." He said, it's when the clouds hang low that you'll take better directions. And he said, it's when i got to put you through the fire. And I'm telling you right now, Brother O'Connell, that God led them, not in the sunshine, but he took them to where he wanted them to be in cloudy days and going through the fire. He's leading you, sir. He's leading you, ma'am. And he has to push you. Oh, if I had time to preach till about three this afternoon, we'd get to some other stuff, but I'm gonna wrap this up. I'm just gonna quit. I'm not gonna get through. Besides, I'm supposed to preach this same thing somewhere else here in a few minutes, anyway. Gotta leave some stuff. and he's going to take his cloud and he's going to push you the cloud and the fire is going to push you you say God I could go that way it'd be 11 days and he said no we got to go the long way around because I've already been back here and you're going to pitch your tent there next and it's the cloud and the fire sir and sometimes you push against him, say, "No, I want to go that way," and he said, "No, no, 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 no. We're going back this way. Now you can pitch your tent here, but you're on your way. You're going to get there, but you're not going to get there as quick as you thought you would. And it's the fire in the cloud that takes him the route that God wants him to go. I wish I could preach to you today that all you got to do is repent and get the baptism of the Holy Ghost." and everything would be fine but sweet erica it's been the clouds and the fire that showed me the way and he took me down roads i didn't want to go i've lived through some storms that i didn't i didn't order up and i begged him not to make me go through them but he knew the cloud would push me He knew the wind from that storm would have me on location when it came time. So he led me with the cloud and with the fire. you're staying with me right now, oh. Feel an urgency of the Spirit right now. Don't be angry with this timing. And don't be angry watching the Red Sea flow. Because in due season, you're going to reap if you faint not. Don't rebel against the storm. I've got to throw this in here. I've got to throw this in here. it would be real brief. But Paul knows that he's on his way to Rome. And the south wind had blown softly, so it convinced them to start their boat. But nobody saw on their iPhone, Urocladon was stirring up. Eurachlodon pushed them to Melita. And when they got to Melita, their ship was wrecked. And they had to get a piece of the old ship and float in. And it was while they were separating through the sticks, needed to build a fire, it's cold, that a viper hung on him kind of sense is this? I'm supposed to be the child of God. Just barely survived the shipwreck, and then survived getting executed. They decided to not kill all the prisoners and let us live, and now here I am in a snake bed. It's all right, Paul. My storm blew you in here because Publius's father is sick of a bloody flux. And when you lay your hand on him and heal him, It's going to open a door to this entire island. And my overall plan is going to be accomplished because revival is going to break out in Melita and they're going to bring everybody on this island to be healed. And besides all that, Paul, Melita is located about 58 miles south of Sicily. Significantly, during the terrifying storm, they had traveled approximately 470 miles west and were now only about 320 miles from Rome. God had not only spared Paul, but through the storm, had brought him closer to his destination anyway. you just reach your hands up right now. <sighs> Holy Ghost is in here right now. <sighs> your re your is not a curse. What you didn't know was your scout was out ahead of you. Said I need to bring you through here because somebody needs to access to an apostolic that wasn't going to get it if you'd have gone your way. But Terry, God's already in Friday. Read Genesis and the Bible says the first day with the evening and the morning with the first day, the evening and the morning with the second day, the evening and the morning with the third day. If I was saying it, I'd have said the morning and the evening because I'm in time and that's how I set up a timeline is tell you from the morning to the evening. But since he's already in eternity, he's looking back on and he just takes it from the evening to the morning. I've already told you I was going to say this again, but God's not going to get up tomorrow and say, wish I'd have thought of that he's already scouted out where you're to pitch your tent relax you're in the will of God the storm is pushing you where he wants you to be pastor I turn it over
1: There's some people in this room today that the cloud pushed you today. And you've been trying to look up and see a sunshiny sky, but all you've seen is clouds. And you thought it was everything that was against you, but in reality it was the Lord that was leading you. And God used His cloud and He used His fiery trial to push you down a certain direction. I want to tell you don't curse the cloud and don't curse the fire. But say God, if you've got a place for me to go, I'm going to get to that place as quick as I can because I know that sometime at some point there you've got something great in store. I wonder if there's anybody that like to come to the front of this church right now. You say God, I've been pushed here by a cloud today. I misunderstood it on the way in, but I got a hold of it now. if it's a cloud that's going to get me here, I still trust your goodness, God. I still trust your goodness, God. I still trust your goodness, Lord. I still trust your goodness, God. I come to tell you today, I trust you, Lord. If that's you, I wish you'd open up your mouth right now and you begin to tell me. No, no, t- 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 t-